the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin. Great to be with you. It's the Pro-America Report, and uh, awesome to be with you. Thanks for listening, and uh, and we are, uh, well, it's always, I, I tell the listeners, it's, it's such a long weekend. Uh, we're waiting for Monday night to come to be back together because uh, uh, we finished on Friday night. We got all of Saturday, all of Sunday, all of Monday, and what a busy weekend it was. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl. I know uh, I did. I have a lot of friends that were diehard Chiefs fans from all those years I lived in Missouri. I'm myself back then was a Los Angeles one. The, uh, the, the talk shows on Sunday wanted to talk all about impeachment. And just a quick, a quick update on that. I don't know how much you'll bother about it. It's um, all over except the weeping um, in the sense that there were no witnesses called. There'll be a vote on Wednesday. Um, for some reason, which I, you know, it, it boggles my mind why, uh, the senators decided they should wait until Wednesday. And so there are going to be two days of speeches. Some of them happened today by the senators telling us what they think about the process and about the president and all that. No one will care in America. No one. I mean, no one will care. I mean, I guess in the Beltway and up in the swamp, people want to hear each other talk, but no one in America cares because on Wednesday afternoon at 4 o'clock Eastern time, they're going to vote to acquit the president, and therefore you will be able to say, if you went on uh, Wikipedia, you could see the entry, President Trump was never impeached. You have to actually be uh, convicted of the impeachment for the term to work. So uh, it was an attempted impeachment. It failed. Here's the thing. I don't understand the Democrats. I suspect that they played procedural games to stretch this out and allow this extra days to go. And I tomorrow night will be the State of the Union. And so I think they think, well, they'll be able to be a, a, a sort of a thorn in the side of the president while he's got his imp- uh, State of the Union. How can it be so, though? It's going to look like he won again. He's going to win on Wednesday again. So on tomorrow, Tuesday night, he's going to do a laundry list of of, of accomplishments. I mean, one after another. It's going to be, uh, you know, like accomplishment after accomplishment, which which is how those speeches go. Trust me, I I know uh, one of the guys that uh, uh, is helping to write it this year and has for the last couple of years. And that's it's a laundry list. And and if you're good at it and you're effective at it, you can uh, you can really make it clear make it uh, um, uh, make it really uh, exceptional and sound really good. So that's what the president will get. And then he's going to get a response. The response will be done by uh, the uh, Michigan governor, Gretchen Whitmer. Now, I don't know her and neither do, do most Americans. And so now what do you think is going to happen? She's going to do the response. No one will care or listen. So what's and then Wednesday, the president will be uh, will beat back this um, impeachment. So uh, why the Democrats thought it was a good idea to wait is beyond me. But there you have it. They continue to do things that make no sense. And uh, and I think they're losing uh, hope and heart, which brings me to the uh, topic we're going to talk about in a few minutes, uh, which is the Iowa caucuses. Uh, And they're ongoing right now. I can tell you what the results will be my gut on it. uh, But I'll talk about that in a minute. But first, let's talk about the media. Let's talk about the media and the Democrat establishment. Forever, there has been a a Des Moines poll 
in the last days before the Iowa caucuses forever. And it's considered the most reliable, one of the most reliable polls that is run the whole time. It's 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 just famously uh, reliable. And this year, because of some kind of question error, they canceled the poll. Uh, yeah, it was the Des Moines. Let me make sure I get it right. The Des Moines Register does a poll, the Des Moines Register poll. And it's kind of famous. The the uh, the poll has had reliability and it's been really well uh, known. And um, they kind of everybody was waiting for it. So it was canceled. It was canceled. So <laughs> reason why it was canceled. I mean, we don't know. There's there's some talk about it was some kind of uh, a question uh, error in the questioners were asking or something. Nobody really knows. But the fact is that it's uh, given people reason to believe, which I think is right, is nobody in the establishment, Republican or the media, particularly wants the results this year to be credible. And they're spinning like crazy to make it sound like they're not credible. The polls aren't credible. So what, why? What do you mean? Well, they're saying, oh, it's not going to be credible because the, the three or four of the people who are running the senators couldn't be in Iowa. So it doesn't really count. It won't be really very effective and all that. Now they're saying, well, the Des Moines Register poll, well, they didn't even do the poll because of this user error or whatever it was, some sort of respondent uh, problem. One of the respondents to the poll raised a question and it sank the whole poll. But here's what the facts are. And we'll talk about this in a minute. The results tonight in Iowa, I, I my guess and what I've seen and what I'm covering. Oh, let me go one more thing. Over the weekend, Chris Matthews, who's been covering politics since the working in politics since the early 70s and covering politics soon after that, he was about 10 years as a staffer, a Democrat staffer. But after that, he became a, a, a pundit and not he's not a reporter. He's a pundit. And over the weekend, he won. An, a, a, actually, excuse me, this morning on uh, Morning Joe, he went on an extended riff about how there's no one in the field that can beat Trump and how the Iowa results aren't going to help change that and how nothing matters, all depressed. Now, what does that mean? Why are you telling me that? And here's the reason why. The establishment and the media know that Bernie Sanders can't win. And they also know by this point that Bernie Sanders is going to win. Now, what do I mean? But I mean is they know Bernie Sanders can't win the general election. But they also know he's going to win the caucus tomorrow night. And I suspect Bernie Sanders is going to win the Iowa caucus by a lot. That's my gut. And so it's it's pretty incredible to watch the media spin and watch the establishment uh, crater. Now, here's the best part about the establishment cratering. Over the last week or so, Hillary Clinton has started to punch Bernie Sanders politically and beat on him. A couple of days ago in a hotel in uh, Iowa, former candidate presidential nominee John Kerry was overheard discussing how he could get himself as the nominee, how he could beat because Sanders is take quote Sanders is taking down the Democrat Party. Now, the great thing about this is Kerry was overheard on his cell phone in a lobby in Iowa. Now, one of two things, you have to either think he's so arrogant that he thought he looked around and saw no one was there and didn't think he could be overheard, or he didn't care. I suspect it's the latter. 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's. But the fact is, you have Hillary Clinton, and, John, and then John Kerry did a, a horrendous tweet using swear words, saying he didn't. You know, it was a total lie, fake news, and all this stuff. But it wasn't fake. It, it may he may not have meant it, but he was heard saying it. That was real, and it's totally predictable. The establishment and the media are undercutting the credibility of Iowa because they don't like the results. They don't want the people in this country to wake up on Tuesday morning with the message that Bernie Sanders is going to be the nominee. And Bernie Sanders, who has real socialist policies, is a real communist, has no way to pay for his trillions. And you think that the last 10 years have been bad or 15 years. Let's go back into the Bush era and say even Bush at war, he spent too much money. Obama spent too much money. Even Trump hasn't focused on the deficit. At least the economy's booming. Bernie Sanders would literally bankrupt America really quick. He would take the country into a crater. He would make our country unsafe economically. I would say he'd be unsafe in the world. But that's what he's going. And that's so that's what you're seeing with the media. The media is 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 terrified. And so is the establishment. And the two best examples in what kind of what you need to know today. Is, although I'm going to do what you need to know in the next segment. I flipped it around on you. Is the media is so upset. That's Chris Matthews. And the establishment's so upset. That's uh, John Kerry. And that's the real deal. These people are terrified of what's happening. They can't believe that the uh, that this is happening, and they're doing anything they can to try to spin things around. So uh, we'll see, uh, you know, what the exact numbers are. And remember, a couple years ago, well, not a couple years, more than that, uh, 10, 10 plus years ago, Mitt Romney lost in Iowa to Rick Santorum. But we didn't know that the night of because they didn't count the caucus right. They didn't. I mean, this is a strange system. People gather in their local uh, schools and, and, and local churches and they caucus and you, the results don't come in on a very timely manner. And so it's quite a it's quite a. Uh, it's quite an experience, but it's really, really fun to watch. And we'll talk in a minute when we come back what you need to know uh, on uh, this one, because it's a huge, huge uh, problem for the Democrat Party. It's the civil war of the Democrat Party. All right, one quick reminder. Uh, and when you get a chance, go to edmartinlive.com. Go there right now, actually. Go to edmartinlive.com. Sign up there, and you'll get an, a daily email. I want you to get that every day. And don't forget, go to the Answer San Diego to stay up on, excuse me, theanswersandiego.com to stay up on everything. And the show is available as a podcast anywhere you get podcasts. You can download them. Search for the Ed Martin, uh, excuse me, search for Ed Martin's Pro-America Report, and you'll track it down there. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk about... What you need to know. I, I delayed it one segment. What you need to know coming up after the break. It's Ed Martin here on The Answer San Diego. It's the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Streaming now at TheAnswerSanDiego.com and Radio.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Great to have you with me. And a couple of things. Go to edmartinlive.com right now. Go to edmartinlive.com right now and sign up for my daily email. I don't use your email address for anything else. I just will email you the wink. It's called the wink. What you need to know at 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. East Coast time every morning. So go there and sign up. All right. This is it. This is what you need to know. This is the most important thing I can tell you right now. 
Bernie Sanders is absolutely positively surging in the Democrat uh, contest to be the nomination nominee. He is winning in uh, Iowa because of uh, lots of things. I'll tell you the biggest one in a minute. And he is surging. The establishment is trying to take him down. See Hillary Clinton's attack. See John Kerry's dreams of being the nominee. The media is frozen, trying to stop it. See the cancellation of the Des Moines Register uh, poll just a few days before the Iowa caucuses. They wanted to clear that. They didn't want to publish it. It's got way too much good information for good news for Bernie. Bernie Sanders is winning. But what I really mean, and the headline is, AOC is winning. AOC is winning the Democrat primary for president. It's happening before your eyes. Now, let me walk you through it. Congressman, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York State a year and a half ago, whatever it was, she ran and beat the incumbent guy named Crowley had been in office forever, a Democrat in a primary. She wins. Okay. She comes in office. Everyone says, wow, what an amazing story. Rags to riches. She was a bartender. Well, she was a bartender, but she was not just out of nowhere. She was handpicked by the machine, the leftist machine to run and become a leader. Now they picked out other people. Some of them didn't win. And some of them, when they won, weren't good enough at it. And she was talented. I'm not saying she's not talented. I'm saying they're using her talent. She's part of a team. And, and part of the team that picked her out was coming out of the Bernie Sanders campaign. Her first chief of staff was a Bernie Sanders person. Well, she ran. She, she, I mean, excuse, she volunteered. AOC did in Bernie Sanders campaign. But here's what you need. Watch the trajectory here. Last spring, and then maybe February or March, uh, could have been into, into even April. It could, it could have been April. I'm not sure. Um, AOC did a series of appearances with Elizabeth Warren. She did a few, I think, with Bernie Sanders. She was talking about she wasn't sure what she was going to do and who she would endorse, but she definitely wanted, didn't want the establishment, didn't want the same old, same old, wanted to see the Green New Deal, wanted to see the, you know, the big ideas that she's pushing, huge socialist ideas. And what happened? Over the summer, there was like a constant hum. Who is she going to endorse? What's going to happen? In October... Just four or five months ago, she endorsed Bernie Sanders. And then she went out on the campaign trail. Now, this is soon after he'd had a heart attack. And, and so everyone thought he was fading. And suddenly he comes back. And why did he come back? Is he suddenly better than he was before? No. He's got the AOC machine driving the agenda. Now, what is the agenda? Green New Deal. Medicare for all, including illegal aliens. Take care of basically get rid of Medicare for our seniors and turn it into a single payer healthcare system run by government for everybody. That's what they want to do. It's not Medicare for all. It's the end of your Medicare if you're a senior or if you're on disability and on Medicare. And it goes away and what it will be replaced with is a single payer system where government like government does so well on our taxes and does so well on other things. And so that AOC wants all that stuff. AOC wants a managed economy, all those kinds of things. And that's what Bernie has. So now the surge is going on for a period of months. And it, it, it's increasingly looking like to the establishment, like, what do we do here? This guy's not going away. He's getting stronger. Elizabeth Warren fades. I mean, she's fading. Buttigieg fades. He's fading. 
And so it looks like a slugfest between Joe Biden, who can't tell almost where he is some of the time. He seems confused. He doesn't seem strong. And Bernie seems like Bernie hasn't changed in 15 years, 20 years. You know, the the, the blogger Joe Rogan, who said he might. He, I don't think he said. Yeah, I guess he did say he'd vote for Bernie. But Rogan said, Joe Rogan said, he's got gazillions of people that listen to his podcast. And Rogan said, which is a a compelling thing in politics, he said, you know, with Bernie Sanders, I just don't think he's fake. I think he really means it. And that makes makes a big difference. A guy means what he says. I like that. I like that he means what he says. So now Bernie Sanders is surging. And understand, when this is done in the next couple of days, over the next two or three days, what you're going to see is the the Bernie Sanders AOC wing is not stopping. These are, here's the thing, um, sometimes in politics or in anything, the first round, the first people that come into a system, come into a, a, a movement, a moment, are, are sort of choppy. They're like, hey, here we are, let's go. And then it takes a second set of people that come in and sort of calm things down, but stay in the right direction. That's what's happened with the Bernie Sanders deal. Last time he had around him true believers who believed in him, but didn't know how the fight was going to go. And they sort of backed off and let Hillary take them out. And they, they didn't quite know. But now they picked up a second set. A, team, a, a set of team, a set of people that's more experienced, that understands the way things goes, that learned a lot more. And some of the same people, too, actually, probably, but just learn more. And they now know they're not going to exalt in Iowa falsely. They're going to move on to the next place. And you're going to see them move on to New Hampshire. And you're going to see them clearing out the, 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 the Democrat Party. And then you're going to see desperation. They will be coming after Bernie Sanders, almost like you've never seen somebody come after. I mean, they're going to they're really. And for the Bernie people, they don't care. They already know what they're going to say. But think about every moderate or crossover voter that they're trying to attract. They're saying, well, aren't you tired of Trump and all that? And now you're going to have this brutalization of Bernie Sanders. And again, it's not like this is what John Kerry's point was. John Kerry was talking over the weekend, overheard talking about he could get the field and clear it out because Bernie's taking the party down. And also unstated, Biden can't pull it off. So that's where we are. That's the dynamic that's going on. That's what we're faced with. And it's going to be extraordinary to watch uh, if you're not a Democrat. If you're a Democrat, it's going to be excruciating because you're going to have people that are so energized by the extreme nature of Bernie that it's going to look like energy and positive. You know, it looks it's going to look energy is always high energy, always looks positive, even if it, the topic is negative. You know, if people are excited about a candidate that energy is sort of contagious, even if you say, well, why would I want somebody who's so far left? But that will look ener- the energy will look positive, look like it's building as it will be driving people away. It's going to drive people away. And what you need to know is that the civil war in the Democrat Party is fully commenced now. You are it's February of 2020 between now and about June. 
It is a full out civil war within the Democrat Party. Far left communist socialists versus just left wing people. But what they used to do to other institutions, trying to do it to the Supreme Court. I'll talk in a minute about the uh, documentary I saw, it's a Clarence Thomas documentary, trying to do it to the they did, did it to the courts. They do it to the rule of law. They do it to the military. The left loves to destroy institutions. They do it to the churches. They love destroying institutions. That's what they do. They know that benefits. That's part of their plan. In this case, the left has turned their aim. Until now, there was a truce. Democrat Party may not may have been another institution that in the Pro America report. Be right back. The answer, San Diego, streaming now on iHeart.com and Radio.com. The Pro America report with Ed Martin on the Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America report. And our next guest is Tamara Scott. Tamara wears a bunch of hats. She's, uh, well, she's from Iowa and she organizes Iowa for conservatives. Has helped Concerned Women for America, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, all these different groups she helps. But she also wears a couple of official hats. She's on the Republican National Committee as Iowa's uh, National Committee woman, which is a particular job that the Republicans of the state select. As I mentioned earlier, they have one committee man and one committee uh, woman from each state. So she's elected to that. It's kind of by the party. And that's a big job, which includes meetings every year. There's 168 members of the RNC. She's one of them. But within the RNC, she's also been named the chair of the Faith Advisory Board for the RNC. And that's why I brought her on, because I I noticed, uh, Tamara, you spoke earlier in the week about this, and I noticed Mike. Huckabee wrote about this last week, uh, a piece that was passed around about Donald Trump and religious liberty and what he has done. So first of all, welcome, Tamara. And uh, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, Ed. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Uh, It's great to have you. So tell us, tell me what you were, uh, tell my listeners, tell them what you were talking about earlier this week with me about the president on religious liberty, specific things he's undertaken. People, the press doesn't even cover it. uh, So walk us through some Mm -hmm. of that. Well, and, you know, we had a rally right here in Iowa last night, and some of the folks who left said they'd never been to a rally. They had no idea the accomplishments of this Trump administration, because exactly as you said, they don't hear him in the media. And so especially on the issues of faith, life, we know some of the first actions he took were on life. But um, to to quote some of some of our stalwart leaders um, in the in the faith community, the parachurch organizations, we've never had a more receptive, effective, and responsive president in the White House in the last century to our issues on faith. And so January 16th was actually Religious Liberty Day, a Religious Freedom Day, uh-huh. and most yeah. didn't even know it existed, but it comes after um, the statute that Thomas Jefferson wrote, I think, back in 1786. And it's assuring that right. everyone would have what we enjoy as our First Amendment. But as you know, the last administration kind of came after folks. We've had people threatened. We've had, um, you know, little sisters of the poor, all kinds of those situations. And so on the 16th of January, uh, in the Oval Office, the president invited people, uh, parents, teachers, coaches, students, uh, others from across the globe to tell their stories of persecution. And then working with nine agencies, nine different agencies came up with those governing guidelines and policies because we all know it's in the bureaucratic wing that a lot of these things take place. And, yeah, and exactly. this was actually, 
um, you know, the, the Obama trans bathroom policy came through the same way. It wasn't a, a law that was passed. It was pushed on and forced on schools through the same type of way. Only Trump did it legally. He did it right in the method that it should have happened. There's something called guidance policies, and they should be reviewed every two years. And they hadn't been done in this particular area since 2003, which I'm thankful Obama didn't do that and just destroy us even right. further. <laughs> right. But this president did, and working with those nine different agencies in a variety of ways, have found, um, they reaffirmed our First Amendment liberty. He had a student, a young student, who had had the uh, the ash cross on his forehead forcibly removed and told, you know, that he shouldn't have that in school. And you and I both know to young kids what that can do to their spirit and just uh, make them feel like their religion is somehow something they have to hide. And um, that won't be the case. They're making sure that schools understand that you can no longer threaten or discriminate and that uh, we have we have the many instances of college campuses where conservative groups or organizations and faith-based organizations are not allowed to have a, a, a recognized group on their campus. Well, those colleges will now face losing their federal funds. Right. You know, you, you know, you, yeah, you know, Tamara, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we're talking with Tamara Scott. And one of the things I want to pause for one second is people forget. And, you, you know, politics, a lot of times people have short memories anyway. But Obama really did go after religion. I mean, he was he really pushed a sort of pervasive secularist policy agenda, as people say. And and I'm reading actually that the first Phyllis Schlafly, your friend and my friend, the late Phyllis Schlafly, she wrote a book on this called No Higher Power, Obama's War on Religious Freedom. I mean, he really went after it and uh, and and the, what, the contrast it would if it was just the contrast of a president who likes to say merry christmas and likes to do these things that would be enough in right. and of itself and more but more specifically what you're saying and i and we've seen is intentional forward actions you know for 40 years we had presidents even when they were republican they said they loved the lord that's fine but they would never they wouldn't always keep going they would say you know we got a little just hold on Trump just keep charging ahead. I mean, it's really extraordinary to see. Well, we'd always hear things like, we have to have the majority. And once we got the majority, we have to be careful or we we'll lose the majority. <laughs> right. So it's always, right, right, always right, exactly. They tiptoed. This guy, call him a bull in the check up, whatever you want. But I'm thankful, and I, and I give Pence credit for being the spiritual underpinnings and allowing Trump to be what he is and the megaphone of the MAGA um, of yeah. administration. So it works out really well. But, you know, the first thing he did remember was uh, coming after the Johnson Amendment that has um, right. silenced so many 501c3s. And at last night, Pence said here in Des Moines that they're going to do what they can to make that permanent, and they need to. So, so that's helpful right. as well. But they also came after, um, you know, if you remember, I think in California, where uh, in the, they created a law where if you were a pro-life pregnancy center and you didn't offer a birth, right, right. you now had to give referrals to someone who did, which totally violates the whole policy, the whole idea of a pro-life pregnancy clinic. And um, this this action that they took, January 16th, that's one of the things that was undone. You can no longer require that. It takes a burden off. And it also, all of those organizations, and I, I'm kind of just shooting back and forth here, but what they did was yeah. so huge, so many different directions, nine different agencies. Um, so if you have an organization who wants to participate in some type of a governmental um, uh, service, if they, maybe they have a 
during a time when we need FEMA, you know, after a hurricane or a catastrophic event, you know, we know we have like Samaritan or other Red Cross or other ministries who are already set up doing the work. But under some administrations, they wouldn't be allowed to either come after grants or receive federal funds. And this administration is saying, absolutely, they have the ability to come after at the same rate with no hesitation or discrimination. Right. Hey, uh, we're talking with Tamara Scott. And Tamara, I just have like a minute left, and I want to ask you about this. Directionally, you know, we all wish we could get even further faster. But directionally, what I want to encourage people to look at when they look at the work that you're doing and what you're seeing, the progress it's made. It's one of the arguments I tell people. Promises made, promises kept right. But there's promises to keep, and you have to keep it going, right? I mean, you have to say to yourself, we need more, we need another term of Trump, we need more real, true conservative Republican leadership and going forward. And that's that's the thing I see. So I, I, I got like 30 seconds, but I, I wanted you to encourage our, our listeners to be excited about the direction of things and keep pushing. Well, obviously, this president's done so much more. And here, I would challenge our listeners as well, don't leave it up to the president. It's time for pastors, right. parishioners, the pews yep. to get behind the president and to make sure locally at our every level, state level, that we don't allow folks at the local level to undo what this president is doing at the federal level. Because we finally have one who's great, taking a stand for us. Yep. And we that's really great. That, yeah, that, that well, that's really that's really good because you're right. It's not up to him to do it. It's up to everybody to do it with him. And uh, all right, I got to run. Tamara Scott, thank you for taking the time, and I uh, appreciate all your work. We'll be watching and uh, following and helping whenever whatever we can. So we will uh, take a quick break. It's Ed, Mir- Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll be right back. The Answer San Diego, streaming now on TuneIn.com and Radio.com. Ed Martin and the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here. Great to be with you, Pro America Report. And again, don't forget, go to edmartinlive.com. Sign up for my email every day and stay stay close to the answersandiego.com uh, for all that's going on. And uh, the show is available as a podcast, Pro America Report. Search for my name, Ed Martin. You'll find it available iTunes, Google Play, everywhere you get it. All right. Let's wrap up a couple of things. Uh, I got some emails and some Facebook messages from folks. And by the way, you can email me directly, ed at edmartinlive.com, ed at edmartinlive.com. You can go on Facebook at Facebook, uh, excuse me, edmartinlive.com. Gosh, I'm sorry, Ed Martin Live on Facebook. You don't need .com. And on Twitter, a lot of folks seem to like Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin, at Eagle Ed Martin. Track me down there. I'm pretty active on Twitter. Appreciate it very much. But anyway, I got a couple messages. One message uh, was a follow-up on my interview on Friday uh, with Michael Pack. Michael Pack and his wife, Gina, are the executive producers. In fact, Michael is the director and the writer, main writer, for the... Um, uh, Clarence Thomas documentary, which just launched on the 31st of January and is out in theaters. And I went to a premiere of it on on Saturday night uh, at the Georgetown in Washington, D.C., the Georgetown AMC Theater. Uh, it's, it is out in uh, in California, in San Diego, AMC Theaters, also in Los Angeles, AMC Theaters. So uh, you should check it out. First of all, let me say, Michael Pack was there with his wife. They took questions afterwards. Extraordinary. Uh, really, really um, uh, interesting. 
interesting to hear how it came about. Uh, the as I, as we talked about last week, the Clarence Thomas uh, documentary called Equal Justice um, was it's about two hours long. It's heavily Thomas Clarence Thomas's interviews, and in order to do it, they did like thirty or forty hours of interviews, uh, and it's about his life and how he ended up on the Supreme Court. It's first of all, his life story is from just abject poverty in Georgia um, to the heights of you know what, what we see in in the um, you know Supreme Court. And really fast. I mean, he was on the Supreme Court at 43 years old, maybe. I think he was born in, uh, I think he was born in 19, uh, I think he was born in 1958, no, 48. He was born in, that's right, 1948, and he was confirmed to the court in 1991. Um, so 43 years old, extraordinary uh, youth. But I, I would say the most interesting aspect of going through it in the interviews with him was his description of his relationship with his grandfather, which is sort of central, but more how he decided, he decided to go ahead and be above average in school. And he said he just decided that he couldn't have anyone doubt him. So he just decided he was going to be, a, you know, a really good student. And once he decided, he did it. And I, you know, I think I've used the phrase on the show before, but there's a difference between wanting something. I want X or Y. I want to be X or Y and deciding just to do it. When you decide to do something, you decide to, you know, you just decide I'm going to do that. Then you have to figure out how to get there, what it costs, you know, in terms of effort or time or education or whatever, and you get it done. And so it was extraordinary. So uh, good for Michael Pack, his wife, Gina, and great for Clarence Thomas. Fascinating story. I would say this sort of quintessential American story up from your bootstraps. At one point, he says, and I, of course, you'll know I'm partial. The listeners, I went to the College of the Holy Cross in Worcester, Massachusetts. It's a small Jesuit liberal arts college. That's the same college that Clarence Thomas went to. And when he talked about how he had dropped out of the seminary, he had studied to be a priest. He was home in Georgia and he had no options. He said, I had no doors open except one door going to Holy Cross. And he said that got me out of Georgia and got me to college and it changed everything. And it was extraordinary to hear him talk about that and to hear him uh, describe how that opportunity transformed things. So for, I can't tell you, um, I can't encourage you enough. Find an opportunity to go to this documentary. It's called uh, Equal Justice, the Clarence Thomas story. Uh, it's at the AMC Theaters in San Diego, uh, in, in Los Angeles, up in Orange County, around the country, if you're listening on the podcast. Like I said, I saw it in Georgetown. I have a friend of mine that went earlier today. I haven't talked to her to find out what she thought. She went to a matinee in the afternoon. Uh, but it was extraordinary. It's an extraordinary documentary, extraordinary life. Clarence Thomas, Equal Justice, uh, you should see it. You should see it and take your friends and family and uh, support it going forward. Uh, it's really valuable. Okay, a uh, few more things. I, I want you to, to, I want to, oh, let me talk about the fact that President Trump uh, sort of decided to engage in his classic way uh, with Mike Bloomberg, and he called him Mini Mike. Now, Mike Bloomberg is a very short fella. He's probably 5'6 or something, but he's a billionaire, right? He's a billionaire 58 times over. So, I, you know, I, whatever you can say about somebody who's short, it didn't hold him back, right? He's a success. But it is a kind of well-known thing in politics that the taller candidate wins, in, po in presidential politics, it's I think it's actually always been true. But 
Trump, President Trump tweeted that Mini Mike uh, is trying to fix the debates because Mike Bloomberg uh, has no donors to his campaign. And until now, the, the, the way it worked was that the donors... Uh, the number in order to be on the debate stage, you had to show a certain number of donors. And so guys like uh, Cory Booker and Andrew Yang hustled, hustled to get a dollar donor that counted. Well, to the, the, over the weekend, the Democrat National Committee announced that they're going to stop doing that and just go to polls and polling. And of course, Mike Bloomberg has spent two hundred and fifty million dollars and he does have some polling numbers. So he's basically bought access to the Democrat Debates and to the Democrat nomination, the process. He bought it. $250 million is a lot of money, and he's got, you know, 100 times more if he wants to keep spending. Um, so it's, uh, I guess it doesn't have 100 times more. He's got, well, yeah, he's got 100 times more, more than 100 times more. But anyway, I'm not a math guy. And, uh, <laughs> but Bloomberg bought his way in. Well, Trump tweeted and said, Mini Mike is trying to game the system. Will he need a box to stand on? And then he said, is he entitled to a box? Well, the point here is the media went crazy and went running around in circles. And, 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 and of course, he's short, Bloomberg, so it is kind of an issue. And sometimes they do put, especially women candidates in debates, to, you don't want one candidate to be so obviously different heights, so they will actually let people stand or at least use different uh, size podiums and things. Anyway, it made the media go run and ask Bloomberg if he was going to need a box or any aid, and he had to answer. It's classic Trump, like Little Marco, like Low Energy Jeb, um, all those kinds of things. It's unbelievable to watch him have him run in circles, so fun to see, and probably a factor. I mean, you know, people do elect. They look up and they elect their candidates based on who they, what they look like and all. And Trump looks a big, strong guy. Um, if you didn't see the Super Bowl ads, the president had a Super Bowl ad about his uh, efforts to give um, to give uh, p- people a second chance in terms of prison uh, and ju- um, uh, judicial, um, excuse me, um, uh, reform of our penitentials, a penitentials, a a criminal justice reform. There you go. Took me a minute in finding my notes. And that ad was pretty good. But the better ad was... Uh, uh, the ad that ran at the end of the Super Bowl, I thought, where the president talks about making uh, America safer. And uh, a lot of people recognize in, in sort of strength, you may not like the bluster and things, but you know Trump is keeping America safe. You feel like that, a lot of people. Um, and I think there's policies to back it up, but some of it is a feeling, and a, a little tiny fella up on the stage may not convey that. All right, last thing I want to mention tonight, Rush Limbaugh earlier today announced that he has um, advanced lung cancer. Now, that sounds really bad when someone says advanced and cancer in the same phrase, advanced lung cancer sounds sad and it uh, sounds scary and it is and so my first thing was sadness he's an immense talent Rush Limbaugh is one of the most talented uh, uh, people in terms of communication in the last 50 years he basically invented uh, talk radio and and fine-tuned it as an he's like Howard Stern I mean I'm not a big Howard Stern fan because he's kind of raunchy but Howard Stern was a great is a great interviewer and he took the medium of radio and sort of talk interview radio and he took it to different heights he just attracted people same thing with Rush so uh, first of all um, it was sad to hear that and uh, not a great um, you know uh, not a not good news nice that he brought it up he's very personal and we'll keep him in our prayers 
Uh, we'll keep him in our prayers. He's going to miss some time on the radio station. But nowadays, uh, the, the medicine's really good. So hopefully, God willing, they'll get him healed up and he'll keep doing his show for more years. He just signed a new deal last year, I think. So he, uh, I hope he'll do a lot more because he's really valuable and he's entertaining as can be. And he's just a great talent. He's a good guy. He's from Missouri. I know his family pretty well. I know David Limbaugh, uh, my old boss, the late Phyllis Schlafly, knew uh, his family and his mother, uh, Rush and David's mother, very well. Uh, she was an Eagle leader, too. So best wishes to Rush Limbaugh. We'll keep him in our prayers. Thank you, as always, to our great technical director, Noah, and Joanna for producing out in St. Louis. We'll be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thanks for listening.